Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. We are kicking off the new year with Prepare 2020. Prepare is a time where we as a church intentionally seek after what God has for us by praying and fasting for three days. In addition to praying and fasting together, we'll also gather for three nights of worship, prayer, and encouraging messages from special guest speakers. As we kick off this new year, we hope you experience Jesus in a whole new way. Today, we have Pastor Robert Madu for night three of Prepare 2020. Wow. Anybody love Jesus in this place tonight? Come on, can we give Jesus just the greatest standing ovation of praise? Oh, come on, it's the last night. We may as well give him everything we got tonight. Come on, God, we honor you. We magnify you tonight. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name. Are you glad to be at Prepare 2020? Do you like who you're standing next to? Because if you don't, you got time. You can change your seat. You can change your seat. Hey, I I am ridiculously Red Bull excited to be here tonight. And I I want you to do something before you sit down. I want you to high five at least two people and just tell them it's on tonight. It's on tonight. At least two people. Tell them it's on tonight. Wow. How you feeling, Milestone Church? It is an absolute honor, uh, to say the least. First of all, let me just say, as soon as I walked in this room tonight, you could just sense the expectation in here. How many of you came hungry for God to do something on this last night? How many of you just hungry? <laughs> Come on, you were just savoring that communion cracker like, I cannot wait to eat. But uh, man, this is an amazing church. I hope you know that you are blessed to be a part of this church. And I'm blessed to be here because Pastor Jeff and I, I mean, we go back. We go way back, like 10 minutes ago, uh, way back. We met for the very first time. But I'm telling you, just meeting him and stepping into this church is such a connection. I love his heart. I love his spirit. How many are thankful for your pastor, for his leadership, for who he is? Oh, come on. Y'all can do better than that. Y'all are blessed to have Pastor Jeff. Come on, give it up for his wife, Brandy. They are incredible, incredible, incredible leaders. Amen. Come on, let them turn red in the face. (laughs) I'm telling you, this is not ordinary. This is extraordinary. And I just want to thank you guys for your faithfulness and for your leadership. And thank you for letting me have my chocolate face in the place tonight. We're going to have fun. I cannot wait to preach this word and close this night out. I know you were blessed by Pastor Floyd and blessed by Pastor Chris, but I feel more like I'm at home uh, because they flew in. I drove in. Come on. I live here. I live in this great country of Texas. So can I just act like I'm with my people tonight and we're going to have fun. We're going to close this out right. It's an honor to also have my father here with me. Dad, would you stand up? Can I embarrass you? That's my dad, Robert Medusa Sr., My dad is the reason that I am African-American. I don't want that to slip by you. Like, I'm for real African-American. My father, uh, he's from Nigeria. He uh, came to America, like Eddie Murphy in the movie. And (laughs) he met my mom, who's American. So you know when your dad's African and your mom's American, that makes you... Y'all a smart class, I'm African-American. This is American me talking. I can switch over to African at any moment. Any moment. Y'all don't believe me. It is so good to be here at Milestone Church. Oh, God is going to do something here on the last night. If you believe it, say amen. I told you, I told you. (laughs) African-American, and I can vacillate between the two. But uh, as I said, we live here locally. I'm married to the finest woman on the planet, Taylor Madu, and we have three beautiful kids, and I'm so thankful she lets me come here tonight. I think they even have a picture of my little humans. Come on. We made that milestone. We made that. That is five, three, and two. Amen. It's not just their ages. Those are the times they wake up throughout the night, every night. So <laughs> pray for this sleepless preacher. But hey, let's, let's close this out strong tonight. I really believe I have a word from heaven, and I want to jump straight into it. I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 3 tonight. Acts chapter 3. 
I want to look at verses 1 through 10. Acts chapter 3, start at verse number 1 and we'll land at verse number 10. While you're looking forward or getting ready to look on the screen, how many of you have never heard me preach before? Can I see your hand if you've never heard? Yeah, that's everybody. Uh, <laughs> a quick disclaimer, there's several different preaching styles. Um, I am a hollaback preacher, okay? So all, all that means is for the next six and a half hours uh, that we have together, if anything I say you're feeling or it's resonating with you, you can say amen, you can say preach that, you can say mm, that was good. Uh, you can stand up in the middle. It won't bother me. Stand up in the middle and go, mm, that was for me. You can stand up in the middle and go, ooh, that was for you. For real, you needed that. <laughs> Any one of those will work. Um, but let's just be responsive. Acts chapter 3, starting at verse number 1, and it says, one day, one day. Ooh, it's already good. <laughs> Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get a little something-something from them. And then Peter said, Silver or gold, I do not have. First thing out of Pete's mouth was, I ain't got it. How I many you know that actually is where most people get stuck in life? Most people get stuck because they are fully aware of what they do not have. In fact, I found that the enemy is proficient at reminding you of what you do not have. Oh, come on, my son, am I the only one? <laughs> Ever been scrolling through Instagram or been on Facebook and heard the enemy in your ear saying, you ain't got that, you ain't got that, you ain't never gonna have that, you don't even got the credit score for that. He loves to tell you what you do not have, but I'm so thankful that Peter did not stop at what he did not have. Thank God for that comma. He says, but what I do have, whoo, Peter says, I got something. Come on, would you help me preach? Look at your neighbor and says, you got something. Oh, come on. Some of you didn't even look at your neighbor. I saw you. Come on. <laughs> Encourage your neighbor on this last day. Say, you got something. Yeah, don't let the enemy beat you up about what you don't have. You have something. He says, what I do have, I give you. And I'm not giving it in my name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Who walk and taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him. They said, hold up. As the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Can you say Amen. Ooh, come on, that is so good. That is so good. On this last night of Prepare 2020 that I believe is just setting you up for all that God is going to do in your life this year, I want to preach from this topic, I'm not stuck anymore. I'm not stuck anymore. Come on, let's pray before we jump into this. It's going to be a long prayer, but bear with me. Would you bow your heads? God, you are awesome. Speak tonight. Amen. <laughs> I'm not stuck anymore. Has anybody been to an airport lately? Can I see your hand if you've been to an airport lately? Quite a few of you. If you lifted up your hand, then you are acutely aware of the fact that what I basically just asked was, has anybody been to purgatory lately? <laughs> Has anybody been to hell and back lately? <laughs> Come on, how many of you know sometimes it can be stressful to travel? In fact, ladies and gentlemen, after almost 15 years now, 15 years of full-time traveling itinerant ministry and encroaching upon some 3 million miles flown, I am fully convinced, fully convinced that if you really want to test your faith, just book a flight. Just book you a flight, okay? If you really think you're full of the Spirit, fly Spirit, and then come holler at your boy. Because it is hard in these traveling streets. 
Milestone. The Bible says, the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Don't forget that last one, self-control. If you are a believer, then that fruit should be evident in your life. However, if you're here tonight and you're like, man, Robert, I got all that fruit, but you've never flown before, how do I say this? I don't believe you. I do not believe you because the airport is designed to suck the fruit of the Spirit out of you. The whole airport system is orchestrated to make you lose your sanity and your Christianity. People, the lost baggage claim desk, the lost baggage claim desk is really just a test to see if you won't say words that you're not supposed to say. Yes, yes, the reason the person behind the counter is moving at a glacial pace and is typing one word per minute and seems to be undisturbed and unperturbed by the fact that you paid them a fee to lose your bag. It's because that person wants to giggle on the inside when they make you go off in public and speak in a tongue that needs no interpretation. Come on, can I get a witness in here? It is hard to travel. So as a consequence, over the years, I've developed what I call Robert's Rules of Flying, okay? And I'm serious about these rules. I won't bore you with all of them, but I'll just give you one. One, I do nonstop flights only, okay? I am not about that connection life. Just take me from Dallas to my destination. I'm a nonstop ninja, but... But the only problem with my rule is the reality that there are just some places in life, if you're going to go, you will have to stop and make a connection. Ooh, that'll preach. I might say that again later. So, so the challenge for me is when my departing flight is late and I've got to connect in another city. And when I get in the connecting city, I now have 1.5 minutes to get to the next gate. And then to add to that, I landed at gate A1, but my connecting gate is gate Z99. And I got 1.5 minutes to get to gate Z99. Milestone Church, at this point, I only got three options. I can miss my flight, ain't gonna happen. I can call for that cute little cart to carry me there. I'm a grown man, ain't gonna happen. Or I can put my Orange Theory Fitness to the test and run with everything I got like Forrest Gump and Usain Bolt and try to make this flight. This happened to me a few weeks ago. I am running with everything I got, just trying to get to gate Z99. But sometimes when I'm running in the airport, I will see something in the distance. I will see something that reminds me of the goodness of God. I will see something that lets me know that God is still in the miracle working business. I'll see something that lets me know that God can do exceedingly, abundantly above all you may ask or think. I will see one of those ooh, moving walkways. Have you ever seen those before? Those moving walkways. I'm about to have church because I love a moving walkway because to me the moving walkway is just like having the favor of God on your life. Because how I many know when you start walking on that moving walkway, it will expedite your journey. It'll get you there quicker than you could in your own strength and your own ingenuity. I love a moving walkway. The only problem though with the moving walkway, my only issue with the moving walkway, my only frustration with the moving walkway are the people on the moving walkway who refuse to move. What is wrong with y'all? No, for real. This is what I came to prepare to talk about this right here. Why in the world are you standing with your big old suitcase that should have been checked? Why are you standing on the move? Why? This is a huge issue in our nation that nobody's talking about, people. Yes, yes, you want my vote in 2020? Take care of these people who are standing on the move. And I guess my only frustration with you people uh, who are here tonight it's, it's, it's not that you're standing. It's not that you're standing. If you were standing in any other place in the airport, I would be cool with it. I think my frustration stems from the fact that you have brought stagnation on a mechanism that was created for movement. My frustration comes from the fact that you have brought stagnation and stuckness on something that was actually created to take you further and faster. And how many of you know, anytime you have stagnation in a place that was created for movement, you will always have frustration. Oh, always have frustration. Come on, this is traffic. 
Come on, I don't mind sitting down, looking out of a glass window, listening to some music for an hour in my house. That's catching a vibe. I don't want to do it in my car when I'm in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. That's road rage. How is it I can sit in the same spot on the couch and get a good Netflix series in and not move in the same spot for two hours? But if I'm in the runway on DFW and we just sitting on the runway in the plane for two hours, please believe I'm going to hijack that thing just to giddy up a little bit because stagnation in a place that was created for movement always creates frustration. And I'm wondering tonight if the reason that some of you are frustrated with where you are in life is because you know that your life has become stuck and stagnant when God created you for movement. Who could it be possible, even plausible, that the reason that you are frustrated with where you are and the way last year went is because your life has become stuck and stationary when God created you for movement. Because you do know that God is a God of movement, that he is trying to take you somewhere. Come on, that's what this three days is about. God is actually preparing you for something that he's already prepared for you. How many know God has always taken you from faith to faith? He's taken you from strength to strength. He's taken you from glory to glory because he is a God of movement. That's why the Bible says, that's why the Bible says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. The steps, not the stagnation, the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Why are the steps ordered? Because God is a God of movement. Who I love, the first thing that God shows us in the book of Genesis is that he is a God of movement. Some are like, give us the scripture for it. I'll give you the scripture. Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. The first thing God revealed is that I am a God that moves on your behalf. In fact, to me, Genesis was just the commencement of a symphony where God, the cosmic conductor, pulled out his omnipotent baton and just began this melody of movement. Because everything he made had to move. Everything he created, it had a cadence, it had a pace. Not a single thing got the luxury of stagnation. Everything that was made had to move. He said, let there be stars <laughs> created light, put the whole solar system in place. And once everything was set, he goes, oh yeah. Y'all can't stay still. <clears throat> Get to moving. And all of a sudden, the whole social, it just started moving. Even right now, we're moving. You can't feel it, but we are moving just right now. See, that's why you can't even judge everything God is doing in your life just because you don't feel it, because we are moving right now, even though you can't feel it. How many know there's some things God's doing in your life, you can't feel it. You just got to know by faith it's being done. He's a God of movement. Everything he made had to move. He said, let there be water. Created the water. Here comes the water. It just started moving. Every animal he made had to move. Created a cheetah and told the cheetah to get to moving. Can you see the cheetah? Everything he made, it had to move. Looked at a turtle and God had the nerve, the audacity to tell a turtle to get to moving. The turtle was like, God, I'm an introvert. I don't want to come out of my shell. He's like, no, you still got to move. You don't have to be as fast as a cheetah, but you still got to get to moving. And here comes the turtle. Everything God made, it had to move. He reached down in dirt, created man, breathed into him the breath of life. And guess what the heart started doing? It started moving. Come on, that's why when you go for your yearly checkup, the doctor puts in his headphones and starts checking. You know what he's listening for? He's checking for that beat, that same beat that began in the beginning. And if there's an irregularity in that beat, that means there's something wrong in your body. See, this is why I give God the best praise that I got. Not because my life is perfect, but I'm just thankful that he gave me another year, that he gave me another day. How many know that alone is enough? for me to give God praise. Woo, somebody just take 10 seconds and give God the best praise that you got in here tonight. Hallelujah. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Woo. God is a God of movement. 
You don't believe God's a God of movement? Milestone, two-thirds of his name is go. Some of you get that tomorrow. He's a God of movement. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He's about to ascend to heaven. And before he leaves, the disciples are looking at him like, can we get a commission or something, like a great commission? He's like, oh, y'all want a commission? <laughs> all right. Go! <laughs> Into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature, making disciples of every nation. God is a God of movement. The challenge occurs because we have a God who is a God of movement, but humanity, we have this tendency to get stuck. Oh, come on, have you noticed this about us? It is like in our DNA to get stuck. I'm talking about intrinsic within us. I'm not even talking about like sin. I'm talking about like you generally sit in the same seat every time you come in the sanctuary, the same section. Some of y'all go to the same four restaurants. The kids already know where you're going to eat after church because you go to the same four restaurants. Some of y'all don't even know the coffee shop right around the corner from the one you go to has much better espresso. And you'll never know because you go to the same coffee shop. That's why I love a new year because it's a hard reset to just shake the stuckness because we have in us this propensity to always get stuck. In fact, I would even argue theologically that all that is wrong with the world today is because humanity got stuck. Oh yeah, Adam and Eve, they did not keep it moving. They got stuck at the wrong tree, listening to the wrong voice, so they made the wrong choice, and now we are reaping the ramifications of a decision they made when they got stuck. Ooh, I'm preaching better than y'all are talking in here tonight. <laughs> in our text today, we have a man who is stuck in Acts chapter three. But I mentioned Adam and Eve which is Genesis chapter 3. Because how many know there is a synergy between Acts chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 3? If you look at Acts chapter 3 just at a micro level, which we will do today, you're going to see a man who is lame from birth, stuck outside the temple gate, begging. And one day, Peter and John, full of the Holy Spirit, raise this man up, and he starts praising God into the temple. But if we broaden the lens of this text and really look at it from a macro level, keeping Genesis 3 in mind, I submit to you that this man is really just a picture of the spiritual condition of humanity. Because how many of you know all of humanity was born spiritually lame? Oh, you do know you were born lame, spiritually, just lame. You were born lame from birth. Some are like, oh, Robert, I'm a really good person. Oh, no, you lame. <laughs> spiritually, you were born lame. And I'll prove it to you. Have you noticed nobody had to teach you how to lie? What class did you take on selfishness? Not a single one. At two, you perfected the art of mine. Just born lame. This is what sin did to us. It made us narcissistic, individualistic, selfie-saturated people. And the power of Peter and John lifting that man up is really just a picture of what the cross did for us. How many are thankful that it is the cross that raised us up and gave us access to the presence of God? You don't have to be a beggar. How many are thankful because of what Jesus did? You're a son. You're a daughter. You are everything that God says that you are because of his finished work. So there is a synergy between Acts chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 3. But in Genesis chapter 3, hear me tonight, when Adam and Eve took of that forbidden fruit, in that moment, all of humanity got stuck. I know this is not exactly how it happened, but this is the way my mind works. Can I give you some insight to my exegetical imagination? I think when Adam and Eve took of that forbidden fruit and all of humanity got stuck, I think God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit immediately called an executive Trinity team meeting in heaven. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all three of them there at the same time, three and one. And there they are, and they look down, and God the Father sees Adam and Eve stuck, and he goes, oh, to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, y'all see what I see? They're stuck. You know they can't get themselves out. So uh, one of y'all gonna have to go down there and get them out. And immediately, immediately, Jesus looks at the Holy Spirit and goes, well, can't nobody move like you, so 
be my guest. Why don't you go down there and get him out? And the Holy Spirit's like, no, 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 no. Don't play, Jesus. Don't play. Come on. You know I'm Acts chapter 2. You Matthew chapter 1. Don't try to mess up the Bible, Jesus. No, 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 no. You're the Savior. You're the Savior of the world. You go down there. You get him out. Jesus is like, you're right. You're right. I'm tripping. And Jesus gets on the balcony of heaven. The balcony of heaven. He jumps off the balcony of heaven. It was a 42-generation jump. And he lands in the womb of a virgin named Mary. I'm at Christmas. And all of a sudden, Mary starts feeling nauseous and she talks to her fiance Joseph and says we need to talk he's like yeah girl we need to talk you've been so distant lately what you don't want to get married anymore she's like no it's not that Joseph come on you know I love you it's just like oh I don't even know how to tell you this it's like oh just give me your hand give me your hand takes Joseph's hand puts it on her stomach he goes whoa some just moved. She goes, yeah, that's what he does. All of a sudden, there is tension in their relationship. So she calls her pregnant cousin Elizabeth, calls Elizabeth. She says, girl, I got to see you. And Mary takes an Uber to her pregnant cousin Elizabeth's house. And when she gets out of the Uber, she meets her pregnant cousin Elizabeth, and they both waddle up on each other like two penguins in Alaska meeting for the very first time. And Elizabeth goes, girls, you're not going to believe this. I have not felt my baby move in months. But as soon as you got out of that Uber, girl, my baby started kicking and moving and rolling around. I don't know what's on the inside of you, but it's making my baby move on the inside of me. And Mary goes, yeah, that's what he does. All of a sudden, Elizabeth goes, I cannot believe you took an Uber down here, Mary. You are pregnant. And Mary goes, yeah. And the Uber driver was weird, too. Elizabeth goes, really? What was his name? Mary goes, John. Elizabeth goes, hmm, I like that name. Fast forward 30 years later, John the Baptist is baptizing people in the Jordan River. And please believe that the water is still moving from the same cadence of creation. And John almost drowns a guy in the water because he looks up in the distance and says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. This is the one I was telling y'all about. Ooh, I'm baptizing you with water, but he's going to baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, John and Jesus meet in the water, and one of John's disciples goes, Yo, you know this guy? And John's like, Yes, I know this guy. He's the guy. What's crazy is the first time we met, we were in water. Now we're meeting again in water. This must be a destiny moment. i got to decrease so that he may increase. He baptizes Jesus. The heavens open up. Jesus starts moving in the earth, healing the sick, raising the dead, goes to the cross, defeats sin, goes to the grave, defeats death. He descends back to heaven, and the Trinity executive team meeting is readjourned. And the Holy Spirit and God look at Jesus and go, man, you killed that thing. And Jesus goes, yeah, I did the best that I could. And then they look at the Holy Spirit, and they say, you know what you got to do? And the Holy Spirit goes, I know, I know, I know. And the Holy Spirit gets on the balcony of heaven, jumps off the balcony, and lands in the upper room, Acts chapter 2. And suddenly, a sound as a mighty rushing wind began to fill some believers that were waiting with expectation for God to move. And in that room was Peter and John. Now I'm at my text. I just gave you the whole Bible like in 10 minutes, but no, it's cool. It's cool. Just, it's fine. No big deal. And uh, in that room, in that room that day where the Spirit moved was Peter and John. And Peter and John go, whoo, we just got prepared. We just got power to be as witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He said, we better start at Jerusalem. So Peter and John start walking together to church. Can you see Peter and John walking to Milestone Church? <laughs> together. Peter <laughs> and John walking to church together. Woo. Peter and John. Quick question, why are these two dudes still hanging out? You realize they don't have to hang out anymore. Jesus has already ascended to heaven. The only thing that connected them was that Jesus handpicked them. He selected them to be one of his disciples. They don't have to really hang out anymore. Why are Peter and John going to church together? Come on, how many you know this is a walking contradiction? Oh, yes, one of these things is not like the other. Peter and John, first of all, Peter is older. 
John is much younger, and they're going to church together? Let me bring it to the 21st century. Uh, Peter is a baby boomer. John is a millennial. What are these two do going to church together? John's walking, checking his Snapchat. Peter's still on Facebook. Peter and John together. What are the one of these things is not like the other? What are they doing together? People, you understand that John is a lover. Peter is a cusser. John is an introvert. He's an introvert. He's pensive. He thinks before he speaks. Peter, oh, he's crazy. He's always putting his foot in his mouth. He's going to say something crazy. Peter and John. When John got ready to express his love and his loyalty to Jesus, he loved to lay his head on the chest of Jesus. John loved to cuddle with Jesus. When Peter got ready to express his love and his loyalty to Jesus, Peter pulled out a knife, a switchblade, and cut a dude's ear all the way off. Jesus had to fix it real quick like, Peter, what are you doing? <laughs> Peter's like, I'm with you, Jesus. I'm ride or die. I don't know about them, but I'm with you. <laughs> Peter and John, I I'm just trying to figure out how a gangster and Gandhi are walking to church together. Peter. <laughs> And John, they're a walking contradiction. Oh, and maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the point. Because please understand that the healing of this lame man is the first miracle after the birth of the New Testament church. I submit to you, this is not an ordinary miracle. This is a prototype miracle by which God is trying to show the church today the pattern that he moves in. And the reason they're walking together as a contradiction is because God has been trying to get the church to understand that what the culture calls a contradiction, the kingdom calls collaboration. Ooh, what the culture sees as the greatest place of contradiction. How many you know in the kingdom of God, it is the greatest place of collaboration? Oh, come on, that is the power of the church, that we can come in here today with all of our surface level contradictions, but how many you know if we can get together and collaborate and agree that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and that broken people need to be restored and healed and saved, that's when miracles break forth but it is a trick of the enemy to get you to focus on the contradiction so that you will never collaborate with somebody different than you. But can I tell you, in this last day, God is looking for a church that can look past the surface level contradiction and say, let's collaborate so that lame people can get up and be healed and restored. The power is in our collaboration. I'm telling you, I know sometimes you're comfortable to hang out with people that walk like you, talk like you, think like you, vote like you, but our power is not in our similarities. Our power is in our differences. And in spite of the differences, if we can collaborate, whoo, who knows what God can do. Isn't it crazy that the first miracle after the birth of the church was a collaboration between one disciple that had a big heart, John. And another disciple that had a big mouth, Peter. <laughs> and perhaps it was John's compassion that noticed the lame man, but it took Peter's courage to tell him, hey, bro, get up. No, get up. No, anybody feel sorry for you? Get up. I still got a knife in my pocket. Get up. <laughs> and John's like, Peter, love. <laughs> Collaboration. Collaboration. Can't, can't just talk about Peter. And John, I got to talk about this lame man, because come on, he is really the star of this text today. And I didn't tell the camera people I was going to do this, so I hope they're good. <laughs> because whenever I preach a passage like this, I will often sit like this. Because I want to feel, even if it's just for a moment, who I'm preaching about, what they had to go through. Can you imagine... Even in our current context, we don't understand what many of our disabled brothers and sisters have to face. Can you imagine in biblical antiquity, no hoverounds, no wheelchairs, it was the epitome of being stuck. When somebody dropped you off, you better get comfortable. You're going to be there for a while. And I thought about this. The only thing that didn't work in this man's life were his legs. Everything else worked. 
His heart was beating, had cognitive capabilities. He probably had good teeth. All of those faculties were intact. <laughs> Only thing that didn't work were his legs, and that one thing affected everything else. It affected his economy. He's got a bag now. It affected his relationships. Because how many know when you're stuck, you can only talk to other stuck people? Because lame recognizes lame. And just one thing affected everything else. Some of you, let me help your New Year's resolution list get shorter. You think you got all these problems in your life? Just one. Yeah, yeah. Your procrastination is affecting every area of your life. Your inability to stay focused is affecting every area of your life. Your attitude is affecting every area of your life because one thing can affect a multiplicity of things. And all of a sudden, he's stuck. And you know how you do when you're stuck? You start developing what I call systems of stuckness. You know what you got to do to get around? because your situation's not gonna change. You start having stuck conversations with other stuck people. Hey bro, what you gonna do today? Man, I'm probably gonna lay here for a little bit. What about you? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Just stuck. Have you ever had stuck conversations with stuck people? I mean, the same conversation now is gonna be the same conversation three months from now. Just stuck. Same conversation, same cycle. Just stuck. And some of you have been stuck, but you've experienced the power of God raising you up. Come on, some of you have happened this week at Prepare. Have you ever been stuck and got a word from God and had it elevate your thinking, your mind? But the problem is you got relationships with people you've been stuck with. And you try, don't you, to have those same relationships, but the jokes aren't funny anymore. You're trying to figure out how they 45, 50 years old. You still trying to go to the club. You still doing the same, just stuck, same things. And then they have the nerve to look at you and go, mm, seem like you're changing. Yeah, it seems like something different about you. You're changing, as if that's a bad thing. How many of you know that is the point of life? You better believe I'm changing. I don't want to be who I always was. Is there anybody that says 2020 is my year? I want to be everything that God has called and created me to be. Come on, give him some praise if you believe that thing. Oh, yeah, you better believe I'm changing. This is my year to change. Change my mind. Change my attitude. Changing my family. But they'll look at you now, seem like you're changing now. You're acting brand new. Yeah, you're stuck up. No, I'm not stuck up. I'm just up. You're stuck. That's why we don't have anything to talk about anymore. <laughs> Systems of stuckness. And all of that was really my introduction. Um, <laughs> thing that really drew me to this text is that the Bible says this man was dropped in front of the church, if you will, every day. Every day. Not just on Sunday, not just three nights for a prepare conference. They dropped this lame man in the church parking lot every day. So if he got dropped every day, that means there are two people in this text that nobody ever preaches about. Everybody talks about Peter and John. But if this man got dropped every day, there are two other people in this passage that nobody talks about. In fact, I never talked about them until I saw this, but they're here tonight at Prepare. They're here, and I want them to come on stage. Where's my guys? They're going to help me. Come on real quick. Would you welcome them as they come? Watch this. Oh, come on. Give them a hand. This is... See? Yeah. See, everybody talks about, just come right here. Everybody talks about the lame man. You be the lame man. Never seen a lame man stand. You be, you be the lame man. Lame man. Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> It's like, of course I'll be the lame man. Whatever you need. Yes, stand up. <laughs> Everybody talks about the lame man. Everybody talks about Peter and John. But he got dropped in front of the temple gate every day. If he got dropped every day, there are two other people in this passage. And I want to know, how come nobody ever talks about y'all? How come nobody ever talks about Billy and Bob? Because he got dropped every day. Do you know what every day means? That means ooh, on Sunday they picked him up. Would you mind pick him up? They picked him up. Yes. They carried him right here in front of the church. X marks the spot. Yeah. They dropped him in front of the church. No, well, gingerly. 
like drop him. <laughs> they dropped him. He would hold out his cup and bag, just hold out a cup. They would go to work, you know, do whatever they had to do. They would go to work. They would come back maybe about five o'clock that afternoon. They would pick him right back up, pick him up. Then they would carry him all the way back to his house right here. After they dropped him off at his house, then they would go back home. That is Sunday, okay? Monday, here comes Billy and Bob. Pick him right back up. Come on, go fast. They dropped him right here in front of the church. After they dropped him from the church, he would hold out his cup and bag. After he held his cup, they went to work, did whatever they had to do. They would come right back about five o'clock, pick him right back up, and then they would drop him off at his house. After they dropped him off at his house, then they would go back home. That is Monday, Tuesday morning. Ding dong, here's Billy and Bob. Pick him right back up. Y'all know you were working out at church today. Drop him in front of the church. He would hold out his cup and bag. They would go to work, do whatever they had to do, come right back about 5 o'clock, pick him right back up, then drop him off at his house. After they dropped him off at his house, then they would go back home. Wednesday. Here, no, I'm playing. <laughs> I'm just trying to show you the laborious nature of every day. We didn't even get to Friday. They're both sweating. <laughs> every day, every day. And I hope I'm not bringing my own presupposition to this passage, but maybe Billy and Bob did it for the first few days just out of the kindness of their heart. Never mind, Billy and Bob go to Milestone Church. They did it for a month, for a month, just trying to be Jesus with skin on. But I think after a month of every day, one of those days, they picked him up. Worship team, join me. They dropped him in front of the church. He would hold out his cup and beg. They went to work, did whatever they had to do. They came right back about five o'clock. Hold on, keep that cup up. He's been begging all day. That cup's not empty. It's full, real full. And y'all been working hard. Come on, even Uber and Lyft is not free. Well, I think you should get your cut. Come on, get a cut, get a little cut. Oh, come on, get a little cut, yes, a little cut. Now, not that much, put some back, come on. That's all. Got your cut, now pick him back up. Yeah. And now he's lighter now, isn't he? <laughs> now drop him off. And how many know Billy and Bob are whistling on their way back home. And now, hold on, we have collaborators to a sick system of somebody who's stuck. How many know at this point, Billy and Bob don't want him to be healed? Oh, they don't want him whole? It would affect their pockets. They have now become the beneficiaries of his dysfunction, of his disability, of his brokenness, and his stuckness. And the reason that I brought Billy and Bob to the last night of prepare is to tell somebody that whenever you are stuck, God will make sure there are Peters and Johns in your life that are trying to pull you up into what God has called you to be. Some of you had happened this week. But hear me, there will also be Billy's and Bob's who don't want you to be healed, who don't want you to be broken, who think you wasted your time being at Prepare for three days and are trying to keep you stuck in the system and keep you stuck, broken, and down. But how many understand, I came to Prepare because I'm not stuck anymore. How many know this is my year to cut off the Billy's and the Bob's to say, I am ready to step into what God has for me. Thank you so much. Thank God for Peter and John who said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I'm going to give you in the name of Jesus. Oh, get up. Somebody, this is your year to say, I'm not stuck anymore. I'm ready to get up and walk in what God has for me. Somebody give God some praise all over this place Hallelujah! I'm not stuck anymore. Peter and John looked at that man and said, silver and gold I do not have. 
what I have I give you in the name of Jesus get up and walk but I love what happened before he got up and walked the Bible says that he gave Peter and John his attention he looked they said look at us he gave Peter and John his attention because before God can exceed your expectation he first has to get your attention and how many think for, for these three days you've been praying you've been seeking that's what you've been saying you're saying God you got my attention I am ready my heart is postured towards you and that's why God says it's time for you to get up and start jumping and leaping and praising and walking right into everything I have for you this year come on somebody give them some praise if you believe it I'm not stuck anymore. He walked all the way into the temple praising God and as he was praising, can you see him? They were trying to have regular kumbaya service and here comes this guy, hallelujah, thank you Jesus. And I can see them going, OMG, it doesn't take all that, please calm down. And as they're looking at him, they go, oh no. They recognized him as the same guy that used to sit begging. They said, I've seen those feet before. They recognized him as the same guy. Do you want to know one of the beauties of going through seasons of being stuck? Is that you can get up by the power of Jesus Christ. But that's not just the beauty of it. Is that God will make sure that the same people that saw you in your lame season will see you in your leaping season. They will have a point of reference. Come on, the same people that saw you with anxiety and depression this year, they're going to see you with joy and a smile on your face. The same people that saw your marriage falling apart is going to see your marriage restored. The same people that saw your kid strung out on drugs is going to see your kid walking in their purpose, walking in their destiny. This is what our God does. Turns it around. But you can declare by the grace of God, I'm not stuck anymore. The same God that did it for that man is willing and able to do it for somebody in this place today. I'm going to ask every head be bowed, all eyes closed. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Father, thank you for all you've done this week. But Lord, we know you're just getting us ready for what's ahead. God, you did not create us to be stuck, still, stationary, or stagnant. You're a God of movement. You are taking us somewhere. Lord, I pray today on this last night that we would break systems of routine, relationships where people are benefiting from our brokenness and our stuckness. Lord, we would walk and move in all that you have for us. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, but if you're here tonight and you'd be so honest to say, you know what? I need to step out of something I'm stuck in. Maybe it's a relationship. I don't know what it is. I believe the Holy Spirit speaking to hearts even now, but if you're in here today and you say, this message, it resonates with me. I know there's a system I've gotten stuck in, and today on this last night, I'm saying, God, you have my attention. I give you permission this year to wreck my routine of stuckness. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand as a sign to say, Lord, that's me, that's me. Yeah, hands going up all over this place tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You can lift it up and put it right back down. Heads are still bowed, eyes are still closed. If you're here tonight and you've never taken that first step, which is to say, Jesus, my life is yours. Some of you honest, you've been doing things your own way. You've tried to fix yourself. you tried to get it together, and you realize you can't get it together. That's why you need a Savior. There's no better time, I think, than right on the edge of not just a new year, but a new decade. You say, Lord, today you have my attention. I'm giving you my life tonight. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand? I don't care if it's one person to say, Lord, I'm giving you my life tonight, tonight. Just lift it up high enough, long enough to where I can see it. Yes, yes, yes. I see hands going up all over this place. Yes, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Anybody else, just lift it up. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Here's what I want to do. I wouldn't even normally do this, but I really believe there's something powerful about leaving where you are 
and move into another place. It's just something powerful about it. This is not to embarrass you. This is actually to empower you. If you lift up your hand that second time without fear of what anybody else is going to think, come on, this is between you and God. I want you, when I count to three, just to get out of your seat and just come here to this altar because I believe that it is signifying that the old you that's been stuck is staying at your seat, but the new you is stepping into what God has for you. Come on, when I count to three, I want you to come. One, two, three. If you lifted up your hand, would you come? Would you come? I don't care how far you got to walk. I don't care who you got to move out of the way. I want you to come. This is your night. This is your night to say, God, I'm tired of being stuck. I'm giving you my life. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church. Don't stop clapping until people stop coming. Come on. This is your new day. This is your new moment. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, come on. I don't care how far you got to walk. Come on, yes, yes, tonight. I'm stepping out of being stuck. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, yes. Thank you, God. Anybody else? Thank you, God. Come on, they're still coming, church. Come on, the angels in heaven are celebrating. Can we shout for those who are coming? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else? I know sometimes it's scary to take that step, but I'm telling you, you're never going to be the same again. Never going to be the same again. That's why the enemy comes in your mind and says, oh, you can't walk down there. What are those people going to think? Who cares what people are going to think about you? You think that dude cared what anybody thought when he got his legs back? That's why he started praising God all the way in there. He's like, I was stuck for too long. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I want some prayer partners to stand behind those who are here at the altar. Those of you at the altar, can you just lift up your hands? In fact, let's all just do it just as a sign of surrender to our Father. I want us to pray this prayer as one big family. We're all going to say it, especially those of you who responded. Would you just say this from your heart? Say, dear Jesus, thank you so much for loving me enough to pay the price to get me unstuck. Jesus today I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you are the son of God you lived the life that I was supposed to live and you died the death that I was supposed to die you took my place so Jesus come into my life forgive me of my sin make me brand new from this moment forward, I'm walking with you. I give you permission to wreck my routine. I will move this year into everything that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, would you give God the best praise that you got? Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Let's give Jesus praise. Hallelujah. God bless you, Milestone Church. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.